Blog Talk Radio. Yo, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about this. Don't even even need to catch a breath. 
we'll get into that in just a bit. Uh, so welcome, everybody, to Pro-Life Fridays Radio. I am so glad that you are here wa- listening to us. We have an awesome guest back with us today, and she is going to spend yeah. a, a little bit of time updating us about what's happening in her neck of the woods. You're going to want to hear all about that. Uh, but first, let's get to our busy, busy, busy business, and uh, we're going to get to some headlines. So take it away, Thomas. Yes. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says, I record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed might live. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Father, on this St. Valentine's Day, first and foremost, Father, we want to Thank you for you said in your word in Romans 5 eight that you commended your love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, your son, Jesus Christ, died for us, Lord. So, Father, we thank you. And on this day of love, we bless you and we thank you for your love that you poured out on us. Father, we thank you for our guest today, Lord God, and the position that you've put her in to be a voice today, Lord God. Father, I thank you for my hosts, um, Letitia and Melissa and their families, Lord God, the work that they continue to do in this fight, Father God. And we just pray that you continue to use us as a vessel to make a difference. Lord God, give us the strategies that you want us to use as we go forth proclaiming the fight for life. In the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we've got quite a few things that we're going to cover today. I'm not sure we're going to get to it all, but we're going to try. We are going to try. Um, So like we mentioned, there is a lot going on today being Valentine's Day. So the top story... That Well, we're just going to go talk about this tweet fest. The top story was inspired by Planned Parenthood's uh, Cecile Richards. And several, earlier this week, she tweeted out a little moving picture about with a hashtag, what women need. And she had a, a series of pictures say, uh, with you know, abortion, safe access to abortion, healthcare, birth control, yeah, a whole laundry list of things that Planned Parenthood promotes and does. And pro-life people just came out of the woodwork, which is beautiful because it is about time we stop sitting back and say, oh, let's just let people yap and talk. It is about Mm -hmm. time we stood up and pushed back and said, hey, Women don't need those things. They need better than that. Stop demeaning women. And so today a whole tweet fest was planned. I think it was started by Abby Johnson to use the hashtag what women want or what women need, excuse me, to tweet out about what women really need. And it is not about abortion. It is actual health care, prenatal care, infant care, life skills, respect for oneself, the care and the love of others, support 
for carrying a child to term, you name it. All of these things women need much more than they need death as a solution to right. uh, whatever, whatever, whatever and whenever abortion thing, uh, abortion-minded people think abortion is used for, which is just about anything. So, uh, yeah, I have a little before I forget because I wanted to bring this out. So I'm going to get into that a little bit and read off some of these tweets for you, uh, pro-life tweets, and some of the responses. And if I can scroll down fast enough, I will get to my intro music. And so this is, as I put down on our description today, all about how Planned Parenthood wanted to say, hey... Nope. All right, so they wanted to sing this song. Hey, baby, what you need? Uh, Baby, I've got it. And I'm saying, no, you don't. Because what we really need as women is respect for our natural position in the world as the givers of life, holders of life, we don't have the right to take that life whenever we want to. And that is something that Planned Parenthood really has missed. So some of the tweets that I sent out include retweets from other people, other pro-life persons, and, you know, they were really, really good ones, too. Uh, some of them is what women need is to know that 64% of women are forced into having an abortion. Pregnancy is not a disease, and life begins at conception. Awesome. Women need respect for their natural fertility and proper prenatal care. Uh, what women need is to stop protecting child sex prote- predators, no matter what. You know, that's that's Planned Parenthood's. A new motto for for 2014, no matter what. Um, so you know, it would be nice if Planned Parenthood would stop protecting child sex protect uh, sex predators in 2014. Uh, what women need is not found at Planned Parenthood, which is the strength to pursue getting real health care and life affirming choices. Um, there's a photo that Planned Parenthood of Maryland sent out. That says that's a basically it's a ring box the photo of a ring box but instead of a ring it's a condom inside happy valentine's day it says will you be my birth control oh how i mean doesn't that just ooze romance and respect so question and Letitia, yeah but hasn't it been proven that condoms don't make Effective birth control? They work about 90% of the time. Hmm. That means 10% of the time they do not work. Exactly. It's, uh, you know, you're just playing. It's a, it's, it's not, there's no birth control out there that's 100% effective. 
here, while while we're talking about this, taking this aside, there is uh, there are a few that are a hundred percent effective, but you're never going to find them at a Planned Parenthood. They're not going to be giving those away for free. You don't, and actually, for people, there's a type of birth control that is available counter with no regard to age, no regard to sex, no regard, and it's available in any style, shape, color, whatever. It's a pair of pants. You can get them anywhere. You can find them in your own closet right now. That is 100% the best and most reliable birth control ever. Well, no, that would be the zipper, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's provided you wear them. You're provided you wear them. So um, this little box with the condom in it, and I'm really, you know, is this what, I mean, Planned Parenthood, is this really what women need, a a box with a condom in it? I don't see how that is empowering for women, nor is it a positive message. Because Mm -hmm. all it really says, all it really says is, hey, baby, will you sleep with me? (laughs) That's it. Not, hey, you're you're a valuable human being. I think you're worth more than this condom. <laughs> In fact, you're worth less than this condom. Uh, what women need is to know that they can be good mothers, despite their circumstances. Again, no matter what. Abby Johnson tweets out, women need to know that they are way more important than their body parts. What women need is not a trip to the morgue. How some women got after their abortion. Tanya Reeves is a great example. And speaking of Tanya Reeves, Planned Parenthood recently had to settle for a $2 million payout to the family of Tanya Reeves, specifically her now two-year-old son, who she left behind. And really, given uh, the fact that Planned Parenthood receives 500, over $500 million in taxpayer funds, uh, or did in 2013, $2 million is nothing more than a light slap on the wrist. Basically, the media chose to look away. Nobody's looking at this at all. $2 million. To give you a sense of what, I mean, people are going to say, oh, $2 million, that's a lot of money, isn't it? Compare it to that big old story, this was maybe 20 years ago, when the woman who burned herself in a McDonald's drive-thru with hot coffee sandwiched between her legs, she was awarded $23 million in damages. Because, not because she had $23 million worth of injuries, I don't, want to, I don't want to diminish her injuries at all. She was burned very badly. But the award money given to her by the jury was to teach, was to teach McDonald's a lesson. McDonald's. Now, whether you think that was just or not, the court, 
have the ability to teach people lessons. I don't care whether you think that's right or wrong. That's not important at this point. But do you think that $2 million, in light of what has been done in the past to teach people lessons, $2 million against Planned Parenthood really does anything to them? No, doesn't do anything. $2 million is what they as a corporation, as an industry, makes probably in a day killing babies. So I don't really think that $2 million is any more than, uh, it's even lighter than a slap on the wrist. It's a light slap on the wrist. And so, well, life goes on. Another woman dies in Planned Parenthood. All they have to do is uh, shove some cash into people's hands and make them go away. And, and the family of Tanya Reeves will probably go away. That's probably what's going to happen. The good news is uh, Chicago legislators or Illinois legislators are moving ahead uh, with Tanya Reeves' uh, a bill in the legislature called Tanya's Law that will uh, put more tighter restrictions and accountability on the Planned Parenthood clinics in Chicago. I think that's a positive change. I don't know that uh, ultimately it's going to, we're going to have to see how Planned Parenthood weasels out of these laws, but some indicate, I mean, it's good. It's a positive indication that lawmakers are at least listening and that not everybody is going to just look away when there's a woman being killed. So uh, getting back to Valentine's Day, (laughs) I I really think that uh, a lot of these going along with the condom in the box thing, that I don't really think women come out winning here on Valentine's Day anymore. And you're like, oh, no, it's not one of these feminist drabbles on about how Valentine's Day is sexist. Well, I wouldn't have said so if we actually made westernized progress in Valentine's Day. But what we have seen instead is a great reversal. So maybe 40 years ago, women wanted a little more equal footing and to not be thought of in chauvinist terms by men. But then along came the mentality, and I really read this in the 80s in a magazine, a women's magazine called Do Me Feminism, where it has brought us to this point, and even the College Fix, which is an online magazine uh, for about college issues, college students, and it's written by college, written by college students, t- talking about how Valentine's Day uh, has really come to hurt women, female college students, and it's called, you know, female college students screwed on Valentine's Day, and they mean that in the most literal way. It says, whether most ladies are willing to admit it or not, they want a little romance on Valentine's Day. The problem for most women on today's college campuses they haven't put themselves in a position to get any. Mm. 
the higher percentage of women on college campuses today compared to men, coupled with the hookup culture in which these young girls have convinced themselves that no strings attached sex is what they want, means that it's a man's world on Valentine's Day. And if you have been on this planet long enough, you know most men lack a romance gene. Ergo, the guy you gave it up for last week probably barely remembers your name, let alone plans on bringing you flowers and chocolate today. From an academic standpoint, Dr. Mark Regnerus, you know, the man who was slammed and persecuted for his work because he defied the the liberal narrative about homosexuality. Anyway, he's an associate professor of sociology at the University of Texas. He points out that there are larger pools of women on campus than men. True story. So in terms of sexual economics, the supply outstrips demand. Only 43% of college undergraduates are male. So there are more females on an average college campus than males. Males do not have to be picky, therefore, about the women they choose, especially when the women are being told that sexual encounters with no, uh, with <laughs> no commitment necessary is really, really good for them. So no strings attached sexual encounters are really good, are great. They're like, go for it. <laughs> so what have they got to lose anyway? Orgasm less sex? Recent researchers, uh, invo- recent, I'm sorry, recent research involving 600 college students found that women are twice as likely to reach orgasm during sex if they are in a serious relationship with their partner, but far less likely if it's a casual hookup. Well, of course, any girl will tell you that. Any girl will tell you that. That if the guy doesn't mean anything to you and if you don't mean anything to the guy, yeah, it's pretty much a jungle fever, and that's it. There's nothing, there's nothing there. Basically a passing on of genes, and that's it. So I don't really understand why anybody is complaining today in today's feminist world how uh, their women are being treated more like sex objects than before, with less respect, when these doomy feminists, as they call themselves, have brought this mentality about, and it's playing itself out on college campuses. Is this a pro-life issue? Absolutely, because women are being demeaned, and they are being looked at in a more backwards fashion than ever before. Here's the thing. We look at the era... The stereotype is that the era before 1964, say 1964, of women, uh, we, we have the stereotype that women were oppressed, women were had the stereotype of being homebound and unable to do things, and men ruled the world, and... Uh, completely chauvinist toward women. It was so such a sexist society. Um, okay, let's just say you're right. But compared to today, where men 
and women's statuses with each other have regressed from that yay old chauvinist 50s-style lifestyle culture to back in the caveman era, I would gladly take the 1950s chauvinism over that. Because the last time, that was the last time women got clubbed over the head. And we are rapidly approaching that point again today. How many alley-side rapes do we have to endure as females before we understand that what has, uh, we have swung open the gate to allow this to happen through a culture of doomy feminism? If we're telling men we don't want to respect our bodies, then uh, they are likely not to respect our bodies either. That works. Funny how that works. All right, next, we've got uh, two hypocritical headlines. They are kind of, you know, they're kind of related. No, no, I wish I shouldn't say that. Okay, the first is, we want, first hypocritical headline, we'll save the one for later. First hypocritical headline is that uh, this week earlier, Clarence Thomas had come out and talked about how, kind of hailed back to Southern culture, Northern culture, and said something really, really provocative. So, Thomas, do you remember exactly what he had said about that? Yeah, he had mentioned that, uh, that, he basically said that um, that people shouldn't be continually make such a big issue out of race. Basically, he was saying that race isn't the issue. It's about the character of the people and that every time you turn around, we're making making a big deal out of race. That was about the gist of it. And then he got attacked, right. obviously. Well, he, what he had specifically pointed out is that there is more overt racism that he experienced and that black people have experienced in so-called northern states. I mean, we're going way back in time and using old language, but, but it is. Oh, it, that's a good point. It applies. Go ahead. Yes, yes, he has said that there is more overt hostile racism toward people of color in what was characterized, what we can characterize as historically northern states than there ever were in the South. Right. I mean, I don't want to point to a fictional book, but the mentality of the South is kind of encapsulated and gone with the wind. <laughs> I right. remember reading Gone with the Wind, and I think – um, it is a point of fact that was incorporated into the book was was this mentality that Northerners were very hostile against blacks, mm-hmm. and, and as much as the right. South held blacks in slavery, their uh, individual opinions toward black people were not as inhumane on a one-on-one basis. Right. It doesn't justify. It does not justify you know, the practice of slavery at all. But it goes to show you that there are, you know, it's not the good people versus the bad people here. And him pointing that out, that there is more overt racism uh, in places that 
didn't back slavery, that opposed slavery, uh, he got, you know, this verbal thrashing from the public. Uh, public yeah. no, I shouldn't say the public. He got a verbal thrashing from liberals who proceeded to call him names like Uncle Tom and um, you name it. Interesting how that happened. That points yeah. out a fact. Just a fact. And saying we really haven't progressed to what Martin Luther King Jr. wanted for the black community, which is to be seen not in terms of color, but in terms of character. And that really hasn't progressed in the minds of these, you know, elitist liberals that like to think of themselves as being so enlightened. Right. They're going to go after a black man for pointing out the truth. He's not alone. Uh, Thomas Sowell, had, there's a quote from him today that I put on my, my wall. And I'm not sure when he t- said this. He was talking about his time teaching uh, at school. And he was asked, let me read this for, for everybody. He was asked once, uh, well, he was saying, once when I was teaching at an institution that bent over backward for foreign students, I was asked in class one day, what is your policy toward foreign students? My reply was, to me, all students are the same. I treat them all the same and hold them all to the same standards. The next semester, there was an organized boycott of my classes by foreign students. When people get used to preferential treatment, equal treatment, seems like discrimination. And that's Thomas Sowell, one of the greatest minds I think the United States possesses right now. Right. A a brilliant black individual who has come from difficult, a difficult, poor childhood to become, you know, I think one of America's geniuses. Right. So, I mean, the the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of the leftist mentality cannot be overstated. I I can probably point to one more example of this type of hypocrisy, but this, you know, what I'm trying to tell people is this, this attitude that has come out against Clarence Thomas, the attitude that has come out against Thomas Sowell is absolutely hypocritical. You can't have, you can't look at something objectively anymore. Oh, the one that I thought of was when Robert P. George, another one of my when I, great minds in America, he went to a liberal arts college uh, and had a discussion slash sort of a debate with Cornell West. And a student was, her attitude was like, I, I don't even know why George, you know, is here. I don't even know why Robert George is here because, you know, we're a liberal arts college college, and um, we don't need a diversity of opinion because the opinions that Robert George has has been uh, used as the majority of the United States for so long and it has been, you know, oppressive in nature, basically. So we don't really need to hear from him. 
Oh, really? So, you know, diversity is not, is not something that they actually value. It's only diversity when they get to tell other people their point of view. They just don't want to hear right. other people's point of view. That's a good point. And this is all, you know, all unified in this mentality that the leftists, this idea that, oh, we want diversity. Oh, we want people to express their opinions. Oh, everybody is equal is a lot of BS them. It's, they're just talking their rear ends off. Because when it comes down to actually showing tolerance and respecting diversity, they don't have either one of them. They don't have either. Right. So I, right. a lot yeah. of these things, I, I can't listen to their crooning about wanting diversity anymore because really when it comes down to it, they can't show what they want. They can't show the very qualities they want other people to have. It's absolutely hypocritical. Um, one more, and then we're going to cut the break and come back with our guest, Elaine. Um, so for Black History Month, I wanted to show off a little bit on this program this story that I found on uh, – somebody had shared this with me. And it is a black man who was born without arms. And now we have talked about people that have been born with deformities and deficiencies, not having limbs. But this guy is simply amazing. So his, his name is Richie Parker. And mm-hmm. he, has, he was born without arms, but he drives a car. He works at... A, um, an engineering firm that uh, helps design race cars, I think. I think that's what it is. He has done as self-sufficient as a human being can possibly be. And he has, right. he doesn't know the, he doesn't know the meaning of the word limitation because he does not have limitations. To him, he gets angry if you tell him he can't do something because he'll go out and sit sit you straight, man. (laughs) So, you know, he drives drives his own car, and it's it's been retooled so that he can drive it with his feet, but he does everything without the use of his arms. Holds down a full-time job, drives cars, makes, I mean, lives independently, feeds himself, dresses himself, everything. The man has no arms. So think, remember that. The next time you think <laughs> that, that you can't, I, I just, you know, I, these stories are very convicting to me because how many times have I ta- told myself, I can't do this and I can't do that. And, uh, you know, a story like this comes along to spank me and say, hey, what if you've got, that what have you got that he doesn't, but he's doing more? <laughs> so uh, right. I wanted to bring that out because it's an amazing story that flouts all those people who say that some lives aren't worth living because of a physical limitation, physical limitation that this guy overcomes. Richie Parker has overcome almost every limitation you would think that a person without arms would have. 
and we need his mind on earth. He is an asset to the company he works for. He's a well-spoken, intelligent, productive individual who is doing well in society. He is a, he's an asset to the people that know him. So why do we right. have such a prejudice? Why do we have such a prejudice? And that's growing in the medical community that, say, that says people with disabilities shouldn't be allowed to be born. They have to be right. aborted in utero because nobody wants a, a baby with no arms. Right. I, do not, I do not understand this prejudice that people have. And we are working backwards in society here, towards way of thinking, to dispose of children who are not as able-bodied as we'd like them to be. And really, that's what it is. It is a preference. It is not an objective standard. Because there are plenty of people with two arms and two legs that are deficient in so many other ways, Uh, and I would say liberals are in that (laughs) category. Only their deficiency yep. doesn't show up until later. Oh, I didn't just say that. Never mind. <laughs> yes, you did. Ah, yes, I, agree. I did. <laughs> I agree. I'm not. I'm so not arguing say, here. We don't say we don't need. We don't need to keep liberals alive in this world. That they ought to be killed. And it was Margaret Sanger who said the best thing that a large family can do with its infant member is to kill it. She did say that. Disability or not. Disability or not. Right. This is a a backwards way of thinking. Hold on on for a minute. You just hit on on for something interesting. Liberals would throw a fit if we as conservative pro-lifers suggested that they, because they're liberal, be snuffed off the earth. Think about that for a minute. Because they, in their twisted little warped mind, are the only ones that fail to see the fact that whether the baby is in the womb or whether it's an adult, it's the same thing. You're still killing somebody. But yeah, right. I guess I, I guess they figure that the baby has no rights because it's inside the mother. Just, I guess somehow, somewhere along the line, someone erroneously told them that the rights of the baby come from the mother as long as it's inside that womb. That's a lie. So back to our regularly right. scheduled program. No, but that completely that completely applies to what what we're saying here. Right. That, I, I mean, how many people have we talked about on this program? We've talked about Nick Wojcik, who has no arms and no legs. I have a photo right. on my wall right now of him sitting behind his one-year-old son. Remember, the man has no arms and legs. He's sitting behind his one-year-old son giving his wife kiss at the one-year-old birthday party for their baby boy. 
I think I've seen that picture. And correct me if I'm wrong. But didn't his son have arms and legs? Yes. His son has okay. arms and legs. Okay, so here's a little memo to you folks in the scientific community and you doctors that like to abort babies because of disformities and stuff like that. Obviously, what that says to me, because he was born without arms and legs, there was nothing wrong with his genetic DNA, i.e. his sperm was healthy. Right. Consider that for a minute. Same thing with, uh, sorry, same thing with the, I switched out of that, Same thing with the other man that I just talked about. I had just clicked away and uh, forgot where my uh, talking Rich, points were. Did, did you Richard say his Parker. name was Richie? Yeah, Richard. Richard Parker. Richie Parker. I don't Richie. like to say Richard Parker because I, I watched The Life of Pi and the name of the tiger was Richard Parker. <laughs> oh, so I'm okay. Like, no, that can't be right. That can't be right. But, yes, his name was Richie Parker. He has his condition of not have, having not been born with arms is not hereditary. Therefore, if he had a family, uh, he's not likely to pass on any kind of deformity to his children. It is just something that happened in utero during his his development that his body just did not form arms. Right. You know, right. It, it, it happens to, and there's no real explanation for it. It just happens. Right. So, so, I mean, this picture, I mean, I just thought this picture of Nick Wojcik sitting with his son and his wife enjoying his son's birthday party is in so many ways completely shoots down every pro-abortion argument that exists. Right. And I, don't, right. And I do not believe for a moment that they can look at that picture and not feel completely contradicted. I don't want to say convicted because some some of these pro-abortion people have no hearts and they have no souls. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them to make snide remarks, but I can't believe they can look at that and not feel everything that they stand for is completely contradicted by a man who has no arms and legs sitting behind his son with arms and legs celebrating his first birthday, giving his wife a kiss. I just blows everything out of the water. Do I need to get more obvious than that? How many arguments do we need to dismantle today (laughs) just with that picture? A picture is worth a thousand words. I'm going to let it stand. We're going to take a quick break and come back with our guest. It's going to be so good. Be right back. This is Pro Life Fridays Radio. And if you have a question or comment, please call our number 760 542 3907.
Uh, welcome back to Pro-Life Fridays Radio. On air with us is our good friend, Elaine, who is has a new position at the Rebecca Project. And welcome to the program, Elaine. Hi, thank you for having me. Hey, Hi, Elaine. Love you, you to pieces. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. Just don't give me any gifts today. Don't give you any okay. gifts. Oh, that's that's a joke that I was just telling everybody that, you know, basically, you know, a lot of gifts that's being given out are made by modern-day slaves. So I said, just don't give me any gifts. Just say I love you. I get you. Yeah. I get you. Well, while we were on break, I'm going to take a quick quick bunny trail. Uh, (laughs) We had a caller who wanted to dispute uh, the photo. We were talking about the photo of Nick Wojcik at his son's birthday party, and she, I told her to get to the point. She couldn't get to the point. I think she was hinting at uh, there's more to this abortion issue than uh, what the picture of Nick Vujicic contradicts. And I asked her how, and she couldn't explain to me uh, in short order exactly what she meant. So I just wanted to respond to that by saying I really, if you can't get to your point, Maybe you don't have one. <laughs> That's a good point. So <laughs> if you have that, to beat around the bush and beat around the bush and beat out around the bush, and a minute later you haven't gotten to your point, maybe you don't have one. All right. So we have some exciting news. You are now uh, Miss President or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was just made in um, – Executive Director for the uh, Rebecca Project. Um, but can I comment on something first, uh, like something that happened to me when I became a victim of uh, eugenics forced sterilization? The reason why they said that they did that to me is because I was feeble-minded and that mm-hmm. I should not be able to have children of my kind. Okay, so this is my point here is to say that if I was feeble-minded, I mean, my son that I had from a um, from a rape, he ended up being an entrepreneur. By the time he was 25 years old, he was what? He was a millionaire. So right. uh, to say, you know, I when I was coming up, I thought that you know I you know I just couldn't do anything. And then as I got, I got older, I met this lady one time, and she was going. I was on the bus, and I used to help her off the bus. She didn't have no legs. So one day I asked myself, I said, wow, if this lady can get up out of her bed every day, go to work and snow and sleep, who am I? So she inspired me. You know, so I like that story. Yeah, I like that story. She inspired me because she didn't have no feet, you know, and and I see people complaining because they don't have no shoes. Right. You know, rather not having the shoes, but I would rather have my feet. And this lady is getting up every day going to work. So who am I to complain about not having, you know, no shoes or no food or no jacket or no nothing? At least I have my feet. Right. So I like that. that (laughs) The the woman who 
who inspired you who has no no legs and no feet um has with a whole lot of uh, prejudice in her life and has overcome all of that yeah too. and she helped me to overcome my prejudice because mm-hmm. like i didn't uh, a, lot, wanna, a lot of people i mean i didn't want to do anything i didn't have to do anything but when you turn around and you look at these people that's going out there and they are accomplishing something and they don't have the uh, the gear that we have. I mean, we need to think about some things, really. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it is a blessing that people with disabilities or they're born without certain limbs are are on Earth. I think I think that they deserve, you know, just as being a human being, they deserve to be alive on Earth. But they teach us so much more. Just by yes. being alive, then we would have learned if somebody had eliminated them off the face of the earth. I mean, I think we would be such a much more horrible society if we did not have, we didn't let everybody live that deserves to live. And everybody oh. deserves to live. We, we don't have the right to take, take a life just because they seem inferior in some way. Uh, and that's uh, and it's just made up. That's just a made-up category. But please, tell us more about what's been happening at the Rebecca Project. Um, when you were on with us last, you were in charge of finding the information uh, and, and advancing the class action lawsuit about Depo Provera uh, victims. Yeah, and since then I have become, wow, it's just so much stuff that's been going on in my life this year. I don't even know where to start. Uh, first I was, um, you know, I went to Washington and I, to be a feeble-minded person, of course, I ended up speaking at uh-huh. the congressional hearing for against Depo Povera. And then the next thing I knew, I was made the national spokesperson for Depo Povera. Then... Here comes the coordinator for the class action lawsuit uh, for the women that was given that injection and was not told about its side effects. So, you know, so that lawsuit is going great. You know, uh, I also developed a group for women against Depo-Provera, and right now we have over 300 women in the group that's also involved in the lawsuit trying to get justice for them. And now, you know, uh, just recently, I was uh, elected to be the national, I'm sorry, the executive director for the Rebecca Project for Justice. Great. And did we have, um, Thomas, remind me if we had that story of how this all happened. Um, There was a person involved in the Rebecca Project that kind of worked at cross-purposes. Yeah, basically, in a nutshell, in Kwame, Kwame would would be best to tell this story, so we have to have him on another time. Uh, essentially, the um, previous executive director, her name was Miss Walker. I think her name was Imani Walker, something like that. She was basically working working for both sides. She she did a lot of stuff that sabotaged a lot of the work that was being done, um, mis- uh, misplacing files and stuff like that. So, yeah, 
and uh, Elaine had shared with me that, uh, and I also saw through the article, which I should have sent to you, I apologize, but uh, she was stripped of her duties uh, uh, by the board in a unanimous decision. They they stripped her of her position, and so she she was exposed for, you know, and the interesting thing about this, and then Lane can speak to speak to this as well. This woman was someone that was very prominent in you know in America, well in the in, among Black Americans, she's very well known. And so you know the fact that she did this, that she would to me, and this might seem a little harshy, Lane. I apologize, but she sold out her own her own community. You know, um, black women a lot of times talk about how, you know, as women, they're not respected. But she she showed a sign of the ultimate disrespect by by basically turning her back on women of color and poor women who were being abused by Depo Prevera. Am I right, Elaine? Yeah, she just sold them out to uh, Planned Parenthood. You know, she was uh, giving them information, and, you know, so uh, what happened was they was about to go back for the second congressional hearing on Capitol Hill, and there was a bad leak that, you know, she sold them out, and so that's why they got rid of her. And and I can't blame her. These women out here, there's so much stuff that's going on out here in this world. These women, these poor women that need all of the justifications and all this stuff to make them feel whole again, you know, they have enough issues, you know, without someone selling them out to Planned Parenthood. You know, they have too many issues with their health that Planned Parenthood enforced on them. You know, and for her to do this, that's the ultimate betrayal. That's the ultimate betrayal. You know, we're supposed to be out here helping these women, you know, that's being sold into, that's being given these deadly injections or deadly birth control contraceptives, and here's this person that's supposed to be working with me, betraying me. You know, that's the ultimate betrayal right there. You don't do that. You know, you don't sell out your people or poor women for a couple of dollars or a better position, so you think. We don't play that game here. You know, it's not about me. It's about helping these women to, you know, just to restore their lives that was taken away from them by these deadly uh, uh, contraceptive, birth control contraceptives. You know, they need us, and we can't just turn our back on them like that and throw them to the wolves because this is what she did. And she deserves right. to lose the position. And, yes, I I am going to enjoy the position, and I'm going to do everything that I can to help these women to get back what they lost. Amen. And you know what, Elaine, another, another major um, correlation that you can compare this to is Jesse Jackson. Before he ran for president, he was one of the biggest pro-life advocates around. When Planned Parenthood put money into his presidential campaign, he flipped the script. So I compare what Amani Walker did to what Jesse Jackson did. 
it was Planned Parenthood, same scope, same same correlation. They're good friends, Amani and Jesse. Oh, why am I not surprised? Why <laughs> am I not surprised? And you know, not and not to not to um, not to uh, inject politics into it, because even though it is, but when you when you look down to it. And this is the one thing that um, our community, minorities across the board, not just black people, but minorities across the board, need to be educated about what these party platforms stand for. Because honestly, 90% of minority voters, those who vote, don't know what their party platforms represent. And Elaine, what you what you went through, and knowing the history that I know of the Democratic Party, my whole thing my whole thing is this: they're the party that that campaigned for what was done. They they are the party that started that that passed all the Jim Crow laws in this country. But yet, I don't understand how our community has has allowed ourselves to be herded into one monolithic voting block to the point that we support fearlessly the party responsible for our destruction. And and they may not, folks may not want to hear this, but I gotta tell you something. It is not the Republican Party for all the folks that they have. They're not the party that's campaigning on the destruction of black babies. It is the party that we give our votes to at a 95 to 98% clip and until we are fully educated because they are slaughtering us. Look what happened to you, Elaine. But you know what? Yeah, but God you know what you have to look at, too? You're saying the Democratic parties. But you, I mean, the whole thing is a a, um, a a game, is manipulation. This is how I look at it. it. This personal opinion. Okay, first of all, you know, we when our ancestors were coming up in the sixties and seventies, and when they started building the projects, and they started enticing them with, hey, we're going to give you this housing over here, you know, and we're going to give you this food right. over here, you know, this supplement. Right. And we're going to do this for you. So our ancestors fell in love with the devil because they thought, now, you know, then you have to remember uh, that the um, their educational, uh, you right, know, that they right. didn't have that much education back then. So, wow, when somebody come and tell me that they're going to give me a whole hog, you know, for to feed me and my family, yeah, I'm right. going to go But who told you to go? And here's the question. Who told you to vote Democratic? Nobody. It was what they entice you with. It's that manipulation, that bravery game that they gave you. And what they didn't know is that they was not giving them a home, even though they called it a project. I called it, you put me in a concentration camp, and I became the project. I became the project. Exactly. That, you know, and a lot of people don't see that. And the same thing goes with the guns, the abortion clinics in your neighborhood, the liquor stores in your neighborhoods and all of that. They put these things in your neighborhood for a reason. Because, again, you became the project. 
Exactly. Right. I, 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 I totally agree. I see this. I think that there have been many, um, many black conservatives have, that have come out very strongly against it. I mean, I think who's uh, Deneen Borelli's book, Blacklash, completely covers this. There, uh, who else came out with the book recently? Um, called Uncle Sam's Plant. I think Star Parker's Uncle Sam's Plantation. Star, yeah, Star Parker. Yep, Uncle yes. Sam's Plantation. And uh, I, there is one other one that I'm thinking of. I can't quite. I can't quite think of it right now. But I think you're seeing a lot of black conservatives now push back and say this tactic is being renewed. From the Democrat Party, I, you know, specifically the Democrat Party, but I think this is the, the historical use. They've come back and done this again, and they're trying it again, and they're just changing all the language. And the right. sad part that I see is a lot of people are falling for it. I mean, yeah, because, you know, they are not – they can't see what's going on. But, you know, when you sit up there at night – and I never lived on a project, my, at, at, never ever in my life, you know. But, you know, when if you have never lived in one, you can really be objective and look at the mentality, the mindset that these people have, that they have, these people have been programmed, right. you know, and this is what we need to get to the bottom of. They have been conditioned to think that this is all they're worth, worthy of, is this type of right. living. They don't even know that at night while they're asleep that they have these planes going around spraying these chemicals to, you know, to, to just keep them dumbed down, you know, and then look at the water. Like in my neighborhood, listen, in my neighborhood where I live in, um, it's a mixed neighborhood, but my fluorination, the fluoride level in my water might be 2%. But if you go into these areas that the ghetto, the hood, the projects, whatever you want to call them, or inner city, their fluoride level of, in their water is like 8 9%. Wow. So, we, we, so you want to talk about a stupid black person, or you want to sit there and label me knowing what you're doing, you know, you got me in this corner, in this project, and you're standing over here. You put the liquor store there. You put the fluorination. You put the fluoride in my water. You put the GMOs in my food. You put the abortion clinics. You put the prostitute. You put the guns. You put the drugs. All of this you gave me. I call these toys that you gave me to play with. And a lot of us don't have the sense enough to understand why they're giving you all this stuff. You know, this is a right. genocide. It's a genocide. And then this is what you produced. You know, right. look at our, little, uh, our uh, teenage kids out here today. You know, the right. mother took well, the chemicals and she fed it to you. And then they say you can't learn. Right. You know, why well, can't, you know, why can't I learn? Of, regardless of the chemicals or not, I think people are overcoming whatever, you know, whatever it is that, that you, you know, people believe that is being put in the water or put in the food. I think it still doesn't prevent truly the, the American spirit within every human being that grows up in, in the United States and understands 
that, hey, I don't have to take this. I don't have okay, to be Okay, but if you know things. about it, it's one thing. Right. And if well, you even don't if you know don't, about it, it's another see, thing. And right. Well, even even if it's, you know, the food and the water, in spite, in, despite that, the whole system that is set up that to, to keep people in a state of welfare, in a state of dependence on the government, in a state of um, a virtual this is this is a virtual it's not outright it's a virtual slavery um eventually people have to wake up to that yeah but see this is where this is where i come in at you know is because we have a lot of people out there educated people that think that they know what's going on and they have they're so clueless so this is why i mm. sort of try to educate as many people about this as possible And another thing is that It's not even uh, targeting Black people They would spare a 100,000 white people You know Just to get the message across And every time you turn around I mean when I say spare They will put them in the hood with, Along with the black people So they can't say that it's a genocide But it doesn't matter It still is a genocide They don't care about how many people They hurt, damage, or kill. They don't right. care who it is as long as they get the job done. And it's a, I forgot the name of it. It's a process that they're using today. And as you said earlier, you know, they keep changing up on you. You know, but we have right. become educated enough to say, I don't want this, I will not comply. Or we have to come and figure out a way to stop these eugenic-minded people from killing off people. And I'm not talking about just black people, because now, mm -hmm. like I said, it doesn't matter. Race has nothing to do with it anymore. If you're poor, right. if you're poor you're just, you're, you, you go down with the, with, the, uh, with the black people because you're useless. They have no use for you. You're inconvenienced. Right. And anybody that they see as an inconvenience, they would throw at that corner over there. Right. Well, it's, right. it's not only just – it's even more than that. Um, Al Gore himself has recently come out and seen that the world needs to impose fertility control, uh, you know, and to regulate fertility, especially in the continent of Africa. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that's it. And 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 again, it's like they. I can't understand how they can come out there and talk about sterilizing all of these the one child um, family in Nigeria. You know, right. uh, I can't see how they can come go over in another country and dictate to them how many children they can have. You know, um, well, I can't understand this type of mentality, and the more I listen to it, the more I want to stop them because they don't have the right to invade my body, generally. And, and ideally, they shouldn't, and ideally they shouldn't. But when we have people like Bill Gates and the the foundation, the, his foundation, with his eugenic-minded wife, spending billion, uh, you know, a billion dollars or more um, to go to a country like Nigeria to inject all the women of childbearing age with Depo-Bavera. 
and seek new ways to curb the sterility, I mean, to, to induce sterility in men. Yeah, they're giving in, them that now too. They're using they're using their money and their influence in the name of charity to accomplish this. So it what we have to do is get to these funders that's giving them the money, because I don't really believe that most of these people, unless they are a eugenic mindset person like Margaret Singer and the Gates, you know, a lot of these charities, I don't believe that they understand why they're giving these people this money to do these hard, horrific things to these to other people, to a group of people. Oh, no. I mean, I think if they were being told that we're doing this so that there will be fewer people born in Africa, and overall we're trying to reduce the global population by up to 15%, says Bill Gates, uh, I think people would be outraged. They would say, how dare we have the right to tell people uh, to regulate their fertility? For them, you know, even if you yeah. want to say it's for the good of the world, I don't think that even even most average, moderately liberal, you know, and liberal in ideology people will say that, hey, I don't know, I don't think we ought to be injecting people with with sterilizing agents and not let them know, you know, that's what we're doing. It's part of a bigger plan to curb the world's population. I don't think that people would agree with that at all. I don't think so either. I, I don't think so either because, uh, again, a lot of people do give donations for this. And, you know, and, and the same thing with you and I. When we pay our money, you know, a million dollars every 24 hours go to Planned Parenthood. A million dollars every 24 hours of taxpayers' money. And if they're like me and you, and a lot of other pro-lifers, you know, I, 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 I believe that I would just hold on to my money because I do not support that. And it's bad that you're going to make me support something that I don't believe in. You know, that's insane. You know, that's really, really insane. But listen, a lot of my women that have been, that the Depo Pavera have been pushed on, I mean, some of the things that they're coming down with now, I don't believe it. You know, they're growing and the cyst is like bursting in their bodies. A lot of them, and this is part of Planned Parenthood or the depopulation process, is that Depo-Provera is deadly, the world's most deadliest, lethalist uh, uh, birth control contraceptive. A lot of my women are developing cancer. You know, a lot of them have gotten cancer. They are constantly going, having to have a hysterectomy two and three every day, you know. And and the thing about it is that these companies, these pharmaceutical companies, all these people are in it for the money. I mean, and you're going to go in there and you're going to, I mean, one of the most disturbing part of all this is the willingness of medical professions to collude in promoting this to well people, you know, that is not that is not just for social convenience. That is not good medical practice right there. You know, not at all. Not when you're killing these kids and then we're finding out that they're telling these women that it's okay to breastfeed their child. Don't they know that that, um, what you call it, lactates, or that, that um, depot gets into the mother's milk? And that means that you're killing two people with one with one stone. 
You know, because when the mother go and breastfeed that child, she's giving that child right. that same injection. Right. You know, so we have a whole lot of issues out here. We have a whole lot that we have to that we have to fix when it comes to our women um reproductive um um uh, health. You know, I mean even the birth control pill, everything that they give right. the women killing and harming them. You know, so we have a lot of work to do, and that's why I am so glad to be part of the Rebecca Project. I am so glad that I am able to eventually, um, my, what I'm doing next is I'm trying to uh, develop a sister, Elaine Riddick sister shelter, sister sanctuary shelter for young women at risk. The thing about this shelter here is that they're not going to, our girls, we're giving them choices. You know, they just don't have because they come up with or get pregnant. You know, um, they don't have to run the Planned Parenthood, you know, because they have options. We're trying to give them options. You know, they right, can come into right. the center, into the shelter, sanctuary, and what they're going to do if they come in there, they're pregnant, they find themselves, uh, you know, with a pro- have, are pregnant, uh, what we do is we give them a home first. And then we teach, we're going to teach them how to bond with their baby while they're in, this, in the uh, sanctuary. What I would like to do uh, and to develop is um, I would like for them to, you know, become educated, get a, a, um, a, you know, go to school, get a college degree, whatever it is that it takes for them to go out there to become productive members of society where they can take care of themselves and their babies. You know, that's my dream, and this is what I'm working for, um, towards. And not only that, then um, I'm, my, um, um, I'm planning on um, getting a Boys and Girls um, town. I like this. And, you know, where we have these young people that's um, sold into human sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. You know, give them some place where they can rediscover themselves. You know, this is right. my dream. Oh, for the Rebecca Project. And I'm going to make it happen because I am so overwhelmed with this and, and what's going on with our women and our young children. You know, we have to find a place for them, a safe haven, where they can get the education that they need, you know, and get everything that they need so that they can go out there and be productive members of society without Thank having you. to go to the government or without having to go to Planned Parenthood, right. you know. So that's the first step. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, that you know, that is awesome news because there isn't there isn't enough of that. Um, I, there, I mean, I have met a lot of people who are working toward rescuing girls and women in sex trafficking, giving them the right care. Getting them, giving them shelter. Uh, just in St. Louis, I think there are maybe only double-digit beds available to house and shelter women who've been rescued for escaped from sex trafficking. Only in the double digits, when there are triple digits that are okay. out well, there. In, well, this in is the, a, this is a process, and this is something that I am going to work towards because, right. you know, the thing about it is that I can relate to every single woman. I can relate to the sex, the women, and the children, and and the boys that has been sold into the sex traffic um, society. Um, I can relate to them because, again, I was a victim of rape, you know, and I was totally devastated. You know, I mean. 
uh, people just don't have no clue, you know, about how scared and how vulnerable a person can become when they have someone standing over them, you know, having all the power and you have none. You don't right. even know live to see, you know, the next day or, you you know, you, you, you just don't know what is going to happen from minute to minute. You know, I mean, that is the most devastating moment or time that anyone would have to confront, you know, and it is up to me and up to you and up to, you know, people to just make sure that we find these people and we bring them home safe and, you know, give them what they need because they're going to need a lot of stroking, you know, they're going to, you know, because a lot has been taken away from them, you know, they're going to need a lot of attention. And it's, to me, it's worth the investment, way worth the investment, just to see, just to save one life, you know, and if you can save one, you right. can save, you know, and that's how I am. That's where my mind is at right now. So, you know, I am not going to be another Imani Walker because it's not in me. It's not my heart. You know, we are, I guess we, we I'm in it because this is what God instructs me to do. She was in it because of the glamour, I guess, and it's nothing glamorous about this type of work. Amen. Amen. Do you have a location in mind that you're, you want to set up as focus? Well, you know what? First, um, my son wants me. He has a, a place in North Carolina. But I, I, I live in Atlanta, and I am so, you know, overwhelmed with what's going on here in my neighborhood. In, not my neighborhood, but in Atlanta. And since I live here, I'm thinking about starting it here in Atlanta. And I believe that if I am successful, my dream is to have them throughout the world. All right. You know, and I believe that there's a lot of good people out there, and I believe that, you know, I can get the support because they want the same thing that I want. It's just that you just have to find the people that's willing to just go ahead on and do it, you know, and stop talking about it. I'm a doer. Right. I don't talk. I, I, <laughs> I think I, you're right. I think there are a lot of people who do agree with you and who do uh, want to support that. I mean, I certainly feel that way. Um, and wherever you go, I, I'm firmly and I'm totally sure you will succeed at I think the time has come. I think the wind is at your back, at all of ours backs, those of us who are actually going to make a difference, because the time is ripe for this. I think you're, it is you're, right for this. the wind is at your back. Yeah, That's and it. the thing about it is that, you know, I wake up every morning, it seems like God gives me a new vision, something that he, that I, you, you know, he, this is something that he wants me to do. And, you know, and I said I'm going to do it, and if I don't do it, I can't get nothing better. You know what I'm saying? And I believe and I love my God so much, and then because he asked me to do this, and he said to me, can't nobody else do this but you. So I have to go out there and give and do it. It's no questions, no nothing. I just got to do it. I have to make it happen, and I will make it happen. You know, I, I look at the little babies that... You know, over in Africa, you were talking about Africa a little earlier, 
you know, with the Dapopo's era, and I just read an article mm-hmm. somewhere where how the Gates Foundation had, um, I call it lace, the injection, the Dapo injection with some other type of vaccine where it has taken thousands and thousands of lives over there, you know, or either I've read another place where um, the um, Dapopovera also causes or contributes to um, HIV, you know. So, you know, these mm-hmm, things right, right here, right. it's a whole lot of, like I say, we have so many areas that we have to work on. The whole idea is saving lives, saying, exactly. teaching people how to say no and mean it. You know, and stop complying with these people that say or that's forcing the stuff on you. You know, that's what we have to teach them to say, no, I don't want it, and Mm -hmm. for them not to get it. Amen. Well, keep us us in the loop of all the things that you're doing. Uh, We want to bring you on, you know, multiple times to share with our audience your successes and the truth that you put out there that your experience shows and that those, everyone you work with shows that, uh, you know, the media, like we said earlier, um, how the media covers up a lot of what is happening. They covered up the fact that Tanya Reeves' family was, was paid $2 million and a slap on the wrist, you know, was mm-hmm. given to them um, for Tanya Reeves' death. They're, they got paid to go away is what they did. So they wouldn't yeah, make any more noise. So they wouldn't yeah, make any is. more noise about women being killed at Planned Parenthood clinics. That's right. That's what they did. They paid them to go away. Right. And that's it. But I have a request that if anybody out there that's listening, um, I I am asking for your help. You know, we need to educate and protect, and protect vulnerable women and girls from the daily contraceptive uh, Depo-Provera. And we are mm-hmm. asking for donations, you know. And if you want to donate to this cause, um, you can send it to Elaine Riddick at the Rebecca Project. And that is uh, 26... 44 Club Valley Drive, Northeast Marietta, Georgia, 30068. Again, it's Elaine Riddick uh, at the Rebecca Project. That's 2644 Club Valley Drive, Northeast Marietta, Georgia, 30068. Any donation, all donations are welcome. Thank you. Oh, thank you for coming on the program and Elaine, thank you. Update. I, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, if you have you on again, it's a, it's a, it's always a pleasure to have you. I'm so glad to hear from you. Thank you. Y'all have a All good right. evening. Have a good night. All right, okay, have a happy night. Valentine's Day. Thank you. Just don't give me no gifts. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's my gift. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Good night. Good night. And well, I mean, it just—I mean, going back to what we were talking about earlier, the links that some people will go to, these a lot of pro-abortion, pro-choice sympathizers will go to to try to undermine people who are trying to save lives. Right. I mean, this whole issue of having. Uh, somebody working in an executive position, undermining their very work. 
is I'm shocked. I'm shocked because not because oh I you know I never thought that it would happen. I'm shocked that um, they would have the nerve to go this far. I mean, it, it, I guess I need to just maybe raise my I, I maybe lower my expectations. I guess of what people right. are going to stoop to do. But having someone come and work and pretend to to be for your cause. It's, I, I know, I'm, I'm not naive, I know this is not new, but I never thought that such a kind-hearted group of people would get on the radar of these pro-choice activists so much that they would come in and invade and, and, and pretend to be somebody they're not, uh, just to undermine an entire organization. Right. I, I know it's right. not out of the realm of possibility. I know that it isn't, but that it actually happened and to such a group of people who are striving so hard for real social justice to be done to women who have been harmed. Right. Like Elaine, right. I, that, in order to push a pro-abortion agenda, I mean, the Rebecca Project isn't even about strictly abortion. It is about finding social justice, real social justice, for women right, who have been harmed. Right. Right. Anyway, you know, I mean, that... I was going to say, once again, you did a phenomenal job with, you know, with the interviews, and uh, you hit the nail on the head and and the things that you know, just your just your points, and um, I just want to say, just keep up, keep up the good work, because you and Melissa, you guys, you guys make this show go. You guys are the heart and the soul of Pro Life Fridays um, Radio, and uh, without you guys, this show would have not achieved the success that it has so far, and it is going to. Folks, I'm gonna tell you now. You are you trying you to butter my tuned. bread? <laughs> yes, I am. But anyway, um, it's just it's just one of those things because this show is going to the next level over the next several months. And also for those of you in the Kansas City and St. Louis, well, the state of Missouri, stay tuned for. Um, Stay tuned for the um, official launch event of the FDF Missouri chapter. And Letitia, you um, you inspired me, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go ahead. Well, I'll share it with you. But if if I can get an individual that you talked about tonight to come in. That will be phenomenal because this individual you mentioned is someone that I've always respected. Love his teaching, phenomenal. One of the wisest professors that I've ever had the opportunity to listen to and read about. Um, so, anyway, folks, just stay tuned because we're taking what we're doing in this election year. We're going to a whole nother level. In the pro-abort, everybody who's all for stuff that is wrong, they're going to know this time 
unlike times past, they're going to know that they've been in a fight. They're going to, they will be bloodied and battered and bruised because this time we're coming and we're going to use our education. We're going to use our intelligence because we have the truth on our side. So take it away, Leticia. Well, um, our, now it's time for the stupidest thing ever. And I miss the stupidest uh, uh, thing ever. And But this one also runs aground. It runs aground with the hypocritical headline of the day. So we may have the hypocritical headline slash stupidest thing ever. And that is, oh, oh, dear. Dear, dear Anderson Cooper. Don't we love how Anderson Cooper is so consistent? Not. Not. <laughs> Earlier this week, the uh, the story that I think between the sto- this story and oh look Michelle Obama's dress, I think has served to really distract the American people, or at least the media tried to very much. And Anderson Cooper of CNN had played his part. Well, I think he played his part very well this week. So apparently a zoo, uh, okay, a zoo in Denmark had a baby giraffe. Baby giraffe, they saw this baby, the zoo keep, the zoo officials, I don't know how to say this right. I just have to spit it out. This giraffe was killed, it was slaughtered to be fed to the lions. Baby giraffe. So automatically everybody's like, oh, a baby giraffe. Yes, a baby giraffe. And I feel as as sorrowful as the next person about a baby giraffe. I do. I think it's a shame that we would have to kill a baby giraffe. But they said that the baby giraffe was a product of Two genetically too close parents. Like it was a, uh, it, it was there was too much genetic uh, similarity. <laughs> I think only incest? I think only human beings can be guilty of incest. So I don't really want to apply that word to animals. <laughs> so, it was inbred. It was, though, it was it was inbred. How about that? Okay, it was an inbred giraffe. That's what. The- that's what they're saying, though. Yeah, but the word incest is a moral term. <laughs> so it's well, a moral that is term, a good point. and so it only applies to human beings. Anyway, uh, so they they decided to slaughter the giraffe because it was inbred. As I don't know if there was anything wrong with it, but they decided to feed the giraffe to the lions, and the liberal media in the United States exploded with outrage. I can't believe you killed a defenseless, innocent animal that didn't do anything. It was just a baby uh, to to uh, threw it threw it to the lions. And here's what Anderson Cooper said: Going to what we would call a substandard place, and then it will live there for could live there for 15, 20 years on substandard conditions, and that would be suffering for 20 years, and that's not. A way to work with animals. But, but doesn't the life of the animal itself have some value rather than just it being part of your breeding program? What he seems to be saying is that 
the animal itself doesn't really have any right to live, or the animal itself, there's no inherent value oh, in the wow. natural life, which just seems odd. It just seems odd that there's no sense from this guy that the animal itself, the, the life of the animal actually matters. It's just a product in the breeding program. God. Oh, Anderson, Anderson, Anderson. Have we not heard those exact same words come about come from people defending abortion of human beings? In fact, have we not heard those words on uh, another news station by a by a wonderful young man named Touré Neblet defending the practice of abortion, that the innocent human being in the womb has no value in and of him or herself and is really the product of consumption, and no more than that. So, uh, you there? (laughs) I am here. All right. I just wanted to check. So I wanted to say that uh, Anderson Cooper has made the consummate uh, statements about the value of an animal, but he ought to have applied it to the value of human beings. And somehow in liberal land, these liberals are unable to make that, that crossover, where we end up evaluating the essential life of animals, but not human beings. So I here is I mean it is it is both hypocritical and the stupidest thing ever because um, if you were to if Anderson Cooper were to put all the dot all the I's and cross all the T's in what he's saying asking for the for an animal to be viewed as having some intrinsic value in and of itself and see that we don't do that and he doesn't apply that to human beings, I think he'd have a mental make breakdown. I really think he would. But I hope one day that he comes to that realization without a mental breakdown and becomes pro-life. All he has to be is consistent. But that he's not is the stupidest thing ever. It is. All right, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. That is pretty much all we have for the program today. We had kind of gone over by seven minutes, but that's okay. It's Valentine's Day. We're going to forgive ourselves for that. (laughs) Well, Ms. Leticia, once again, you did a good show, and have a good night. Have a good night, Thomas. We'll see everybody back here next week for more Pro-Life Fridays Radio.
tell of what I had when I first 